and AM 560. KWTO. And always streaming at 933kwto.com. This is the Elijah Har Show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 933KWTO and stream us on the 933 mobile app. Welcome back to KWTO. One more hour to go in the show. Joining us now, House Budget Chairman Cody Smith. Cody, welcome back. Cody, are you there? Yes. Okay, very good. Uh, Cody Smith, as we do every day, we start with our question of the day. Question of the day today, you may have to take a second to 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 listen to this. What's a scam that has become so normalized we don't even realize it's a scam anymore? A scam that's so normalized you don't even realize it's that's a right. scam anymore. Yeah, this is your chance just that's to a- complain about something that we as a culture, society, or government do and we shouldn't be doing. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I'm I'm really interested as to what brought that question to be the question of the day. Um, so a scam that we, you know, the um, I get a lot. Of, I get a lot of folks that still complain to me about uh, phone calls that they get telemarketers, uh, and I wouldn't say they're necessarily scams, but they are. There are a lot of uh, people contacting. Uh, particularly senior citizens that are, are trying to engage them in various scams. And we certainly still do know that that's the case. But I, I find that a lot of times people just don't answer the phone anymore. They don't. When they don't, they I, don't I, recognize the number. I think, and that, that seems to be the beginning of it. Now, it's always tough to tell text messages or, or now you get them on social media. You get these, these direct messages that's like Facebook administration. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, your account's going to close unless you log into it. And it's like, I can see why it's very confusing for people to open their DMs and why nobody opens their DMs anymore. I say that as a guy who books half of my new guests by DMing them. Yes. You know, I have started to feel a little more susceptible to those scams. I've gotten some emails that I have found. Uh, I really couldn't. It's hard to tell. They're getting better at it. Harder to tell if it's an actual scam or not. To the degree that I've had to pour them out to people to get the feedback. Hey, is this is this for real or is it not? And so they're getting much better at the at the scams these days, which is concerning. They are. Okay, Cody, you are going into your last year as the budget chairman of the House. Last few years, really, really unique years with all this federal money coming down. I know starting, it's not too long before you start conversations with the governor's office on how to create a budgeting number for next year. But give us your prognosis and outlook What's it look like for the Missouri economy as we move into the the next uh, fiscal year? Yeah, so I'm cautiously optimistic that our economy in the state will will continue to be strong. Uh, we have seen revenues start to cool off a little bit. We've had, which is which is perfectly reasonable and and probably correct for that to happen. We've had a couple years of absolutely anomalous revenue growth, and that's been. Uh, you know, partially due to inflation, partially due to the injection of federal money into the United States economy. You know, Congress, in their infinite wisdom, uh, sent a lot of money out to states and municipalities with the CARES Act and the ARPA Act, and these are the this was the, all the COVID money that went out across the states. 
And that being injected into the economy has led to increased state revenues and, and it contributed to inflation. In Missouri, however, uh, I think it's important to note that we kept the economy largely open through COVID and we had a better than expected uh, result. As a result of that, we had a better than expected and stronger economy. And so certainly uh, give credit to Governor Parson and and all the leadership folks at the time for keeping the uh, Missouri economy open and working. I think that's contributed to revenues. The other thing is that we've t- cut taxes in recent years by hundreds of millions of dollars. And people think that when you cut taxes, uh, it can lead to less revenue, which in, in, in oftentimes can be the case. But when you cut specifically the income tax, which is what we've cut in Missouri, people have more of their own money. Uh, it helps, helps you know, re- they reinvest it into the state's economy, which ultimately and somewhat ironically lead to higher state revenues. So, uh, you know, I've been saying this for a while now. The more we get rid of that income tax, we, we can expect revenues to, to be solid because people put that money back into the economy, which ultimately feeds state revenues. So, so those are all the factors there. Now we're looking at a situation where we expect revenues to kind of plateau a little bit. And I think we'll see moderate uh, revenue growth into the next fiscal year. And we're getting ready to your point to, to sit down with the governor and the Senate and uh, talk about what we think the revenues will be next year. And that's the beginning of the budgeting process. And, you know, a ton of people, they don't understand this, and this sounds a little bit like we're just educating them on the basics of Missouri, but I think it's really good to understand how does the governor and the legislature come to an agreement on the on the budget on how much money the state will have to spend next year? Walk us through that process. Yeah, so we call it the consensus revenue estimate, and it is an agreement between the, the three parties, the, the House, the Senate, and the governor, to determine, I kind of think of it as creating the size of the pie that we will later cut up into pieces to, uh, you know, appropriate for the various priorities in the state of Missouri. And so we agree, uh, we try to agree, and, and the consensus revenue estimate isn't always agreed upon. It has been agreed to for the last several years, but we'll come together and say, okay, we, we think revenues are going to grow by X percent or maybe decline by X percent, and that's going to yield X number of revenue for us to then appropriate. And that's kind of how we start to keep, that's really the beginning of the balanced budget process. We have a balanced budget requirement in Missouri. And so when we can agree that we're, we're going to spend a certain amount of money between the, the two chambers in the, in the General Assembly and the executive branch of the governor, then we are starting to contain the size of the budget, making sure that we'll balance it on the back end. And so we will start that process in November. And we hire economists and, and we have our staff that look at these things, analysts and economists, to give us some uh, predictions uh, or analysis of what they see the, the economy doing over the next fiscal year. And we will get together and uh, come to a, a revenue estimate. And I believe that we'll be able to do that this year as well. So, uh, you know, one of the things is you, you leave the legislature after next year and obviously you're running for uh, statewide office, state treasurer, and we're going to talk about that in a bit. But your legacy in the legislature will be one of budget and tax and spending. What's your goal when you leave? When people think about Cody Smith was the budget chair of the House for six years, what's the legacy you want to leave? Yeah, well, you know, somewhat, uh, I, I don't know if you'd say it's ironic, but in, in the budgeting world, the appropriations world, um, most folks that run the budget stuff in either the state legislatures or Congress or even at local government, 
uh, they don't like to cut taxes as much because they are they understand the importance of having revenue to pay for this, the state's expenses. However, I've always been very, very interested in tax cuts, and and it was my probably the highlight of my legislative career last summer in a special session to carry the legislation that created what was called the largest income tax cut in the state's history, which will save Missouri taxpayers about a billion dollars over the course of time once it's fully implemented. And so that's a great accomplishment and something I'm very proud of. But from the appropriating side of things, taking those revenues, looking for ways to save money through smart budgeting practices, which also ultimately helps taxpayers' money. I hope that will be my uh, legacy there. And, and additionally, we've seen a lot of investment in roads and bridges. Uh, back when I was, uh, you know, just getting, starting uh, as budget chairman, when you were Speaker of the House, Elijah, we put together a package. You'll recall the governor rolled out a package uh, to fix a bunch of bridges across the state. And part of that was uh, taking out bond debt, which would have paid for part of it. Uh, you and I went to back to the drawing board. We did, we found a plan that would rely more heavily on uh, cash revenues rather than debt revenues. And we were able to construct a package that ultimately saved taxpayers about $70 million in the course of repairing 250 bridges across the state. And it's those types of conservative fiscal policy issues that I've worked very hard on over the course of several years and had some success with. And ultimately those things will save taxpayers hundreds of millions of dollars over the course of time. So again, the tax cuts and the, the conservative budget policy things, I hope those are my legacy after I'm out of the Missouri house. You know, and one of the things that uh, obviously over the past few years, we went through COVID um, and then we've gone through um, sort of the, the economic response to COVID but as you leave, we also have a, a, a fairly decent size um, surplus in the state of Missouri and, and some cash on hand, rainy day fund. All of that seems to be in a pretty good place as you approach your last year in office. Yes, we do. We, we've seen, just like every other state, uh, billions of dollars in federal COVID relief money come to the state of Missouri. And, and we were put in a the, – the challenge there was – uh, while we disagree with this kind of deficit, deficit spending that that the that you know the folks in Washington have uh, determined to be the best way to address the the COVID pandemic, we are also put in a situation where if we don't leverage those federal funds or we don't spend them in the state of Missouri, then they would be returned to Washington and then redistributed to other states like California, New York, Illinois states that we know are never going to turn down any federal money. So red states like Missouri have been put in a situation where, well, if you don't spend it in your state, someone else is going to spend it in their state. And so we look for ways and have looked for ways to make those investments pay dividends over the course of decades. And, and to me, that means infrastructure, investing in our educational infrastructure, our healthcare infrastructure, our transportation infrastructure. Uh, when we invest in concrete and rebar, for example, and build bridges and highways, those things are going to pay dividends for decades and decades to come. And so I think we've done a good job in Missouri of leveraging those federal funds, investing it in our infrastructure, trying to make Missouri a more resilient and healthy state, uh, less dependent upon, you know, uh, foreign trade or uh, Washington, D.C. We want to insulate ourselves from those things and become as strong and viable as a state as we can. And I think we've used those COVID dollars uh, to great effect in that way. And I look forward to seeing that kind of unfold over the course of time. Now, from a budget perspective, that means that the budget is going to contract after we 
get some of that federal money out of the state's coffers. And to your point, we do still have a sizable state revenue surplus. And so the, the state's financial health is the best it's ever been. Uh, back when Scott Fitzpatrick was the budget chairman and when I started as the budget chairman, if we could set aside a hundred million dollars or a couple hundred million dollars aside every fiscal year just for unex- unexpected purposes, uh, we thought we were doing pretty well and that was a conservative budgeting practice, practice that was relatively unheard of in the state, state of Missouri prior to that era. Uh, now we have a couple billion dollars in cash reserves. And so we have more money on hand than uh, we've had in years past that is unspended for unexpected expenses to the degree, Elijah, that I think the General Assembly should come back next year and look at a tax rebate. Uh, I've never been a fan of the government accumulating money or, or massing, amassing cash reserves. I think the government needs to hold a minimal amount of cash to make sure that all of their uh, all of its expenses expenses are met and its uh, liabilities are, are paid. But beyond that, we need to give as much money back to taxpayers as possible. And so we've got a situation now where we could, uh, in my opinion, send some money back to taxpayers, still have some for a rainy day, so to speak. And so that's something that I'm very interested in leading into the next legislative session. How's that process look? Let's say, you know, legislation uh, pre-filing starts December 1, legislative session starts Jan 1. What's the what's the process for considering a tax rebate? How would that look if if you did it? Yeah, so I'm having those conversations with my colleagues now and talking about, you know, and as we go into this consensus revenue estimate process that we talked about, talking about the state of revenue, talking about the uh, different dollars that we have in different funds across the state treasury. Um, you know, top of mind for me is that tax rate, tax rebate idea. So I'm, I'm talking that through with the, the partners that we have in the appropriations process and the governor and the, and the Senate folks. And, uh, then when pre-filing rolls around December one, like you said, um, you'll see legislators start to file legislation for the upcoming legislative session in January. And amongst those things, you know, perennially we see tax rebates and tax cuts that are filed. But uh, in this 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 pre-filing period, I myself plan to file a bill that would uh, give a tax rebate back to taxpayers. So I will start that process then, and then in January we'll see committee hearings start to fire up and things work through the legislative process. But uh, yeah, certainly. Government has too much money now. We need to look for ways to uh, give that back to taxpayers and make smart investments. And I think, again, a tax rebate is uh, hopefully it's something we can get done in the next legislative session. Uh, Cody, let's talk briefly about your, your you've announced that you're going to run for state treasurer next year. Walk us through what that campaign looks like and why you want to be the next state treasurer. Yeah, so I, I did announce uh, earlier this summer that I'm running, seeking the office of state treasurer in next year's August primary. And for me, I, you know, it's about my experience. I've been the House Budget Chairman. Uh, this legislative session was my fifth year. Next year will be my sixth year. And it's given me a lot of experience related to the state's fiscal uh, policies and financial health. And so... Uh, the state treasurer oversees the state treasury, manages the state treasury, uh, looks to limit risk and, and do that in a, a responsible way. Uh, I think I've got a proven track record with, with that. Uh, the state treasurer also sits on some boards, uh, public boards, uh, low-income housing board, the public pension board, 
Uh, I've got experience with both of those things through the appropriations process and have a track record of being able to use common sense, conservative fiscal policy to save taxpayers money. And I, I would take that experience and, and, and use that in the treasurer's office in those ways as well. And then lastly, there's the empowerment scholarship account program, which is something we created in statute back in 2021. I helped pass that bill. And that was the largest victory in recent history for uh, the school choice movement and trying to give families more choice in their children's education. And that scholarship program is really great. Uh, however, it's too lim- too restricted to certain parts of the state. I believe if you live in a city that's 35,000 people or more, uh, you can get it. But if you're outside of that, outside of the city limits, your children aren't eligible for it. So that's an example of, of those restrictions need to be lifted. I believe that needs to be a statewide program. And I'm really interested in working as a state treasurer to help grow that program and uh, and try to get those resources out to families to give them the choice about their children's education that would help them get that world-class education that we all strive for Missouri children to have. So Again, you know, I've got a lot of experience with these things, uh, and there are opportunities in the treasurer's office there. And so that's, that's my proposal is that I would take that experience and, and be a proven conservative in the state treasurer's office. I know a lot of people hear, Oh, somebody's going to run for office, but you know, a lot of times people think other than hearing radio interviews or seeing a newspaper article or reading about them on the, on, on, on some sort of website or, or social media. How is it that people actually get the chance to meet and interact with people like you that are running for for statewide office? Well, I am uh, all over the state, it seems, these days. I've been to all four corners and in between, parts in between. I'm I'm out at um, community events, uh, Lincoln Day dinners, those types of things, speaking to the folks there, uh, you know, getting to know them as communities and letting them get to know me as candidates, um, as a candidate. Uh, obviously, I have the social media channels that, that we normally use these days and the website, uh, which is all available for the public to see. Uh, and I've got, you know, a track record that is, if, if someone is interested in learning more about me as a candidate, uh, over the, the years in the Missouri House, I have consistently one of the most conservative voting records in the state of Missouri. And so our friends at uh, Americans for Prosperity, for at Club for Growth, or the American Conservative Union, or CPAC, all of those folks do legislative scorecards, and I have consistently been rated an A uh, for my voting record, conservative voting record, over the course of time. And so um, there are a lot of ways for folks to get to know me, and I am still, you know, I am working really hard on getting my message out across the state, and over the next several months, we'll continue to do so. So I make myself available uh, to the public to, to, you know, learn about me as a candidate and hopefully choose me as the next state treasurer. Again, that's Cody Smith. He's running for state treasurer. He's got one more year as the state budget chair in what will be a, a really interesting and enlightening session, um, uh, in, in 2024. Cody, if anybody wants to interact with you on social media, follow your campaign, how do they do that? Yeah, on Twitter, it's Cody4Mo, and that's the number four, Cody, number four, M-O. Uh, on Facebook, it's Cody F O R M O, Cody for Missouri, Cody F O R M O. Uh, and then my website is Cody for Missouri, all spelled out, Cody for Missouri dot O R G. And, uh, yeah, those are the kind of the three main channels that I use. And there's lots of information there that for anyone that wants to learn about my campaign. 
Very good. Cody Smith, again, he's from Southwest Missouri. He's running for state treasurer. Thanks again for joining us today. Best of luck in the upcoming legislative session. Thanks for having me, Elijah. Really appreciate it. Uh, again, that was Cody Smith. We're going to be right back. we got a short segment. Then we're going to do our Monday snake draft at 537. Don't want to miss that.